Our kind Heavenly Father, we want to thank you from the very depths of our heart for all that thou hast done for us. We're unworthy of the blessings that thou hast bestowed upon us, but we are grateful for them. And now we pray that you will smile your blessings continually upon us, and especially tonight, as we have just remembered that tonight is tonight we are to pray for the great host of people. Give us great faith. May great wonders be done for the glory of God. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I just remembered <clears throat> that tonight was the night we were to pray for all the people and you forgot to tell me that he's coming down and give prayer cards for all those people who just wanted to pass through the line. And I forgot about it because that's here at the platform that we were to do that. And uh, it hadn't come in my memory, rather, since coming from the place. So I thought I'd change my text and it's all on something else. But I was going to talk on something, but I'll change it now. And we want to thank all you ministers for this morning attending the breakfast. We just had a real jubilee this morning. The Lord blessed in a marvelous way. And the wonderful fellowship that we had with God's children this morning. And now, tonight, I believe the recording boys this will be the last night for the books and the pictures. They'll be at the concession stand, wherever it is. We don't sell on Sunday. I've never did it. And I, uh, the, the books and those things are not nothing that we make anything from. I buy them myself for Mr. Lindsay. And then I'll get somebody to sell them for me. And the meeting has to support the books. <laughs> Now, they, you, now, if I was printing them myself and selling them, or I could get them printed real cheap and sell them. But it's not, that isn't the idea. It's not to make anything out of them. No. It's the, getting the message to the people. And so you'd be invited, if you're planning on getting one of the books or pictures, if you get it tonight. Then tomorrow afternoon, there is to be the service here in the place, the Lord willing. And then tomorrow night closes out this campaign. I know that there's other campaigns coming to the city as Phoenix seems to have plenty of them, and that's good. I'm glad to do. I was just speaking to a minister just a few moments ago, and a well-known minister here in the city, he said, Brother Branham, the Phoenix people love you. And I said, that certainly is mutual. I wish I had time when I come into this city to go to each one of your homes and have dinner. I know you've got good cooks, and I, I would sure like to do it, but it's seemingly that in these meetings I've just got to constantly stay on the beat until I just get so wore out I can't go. Brother Moore, I was trying to get him to preach for me, but I tell you, if you preach, you fall over on the platform, then we get a doctor, and he says, really, you're in bad shape. So I'll try it next time. 
I'll sit down for the Lord. But we're happy to be assembled with you tonight. And now, even in our in our day that we're living in, and this morning I was speaking at the breakfast on the subject of Joel, where the one where he saw the worms, different insects, eat down the tree. God's heritage. And we tried to name what those worms was. And how that each one of those worms is the same worm, just dies and comes back a different insect. And it's been the devil all the way along, who broke up brotherhood and the things that they had in the first church, and the false unity of the church, while we try to unify people with organizations. Organization unifies themselves. But Christ died for the whole body of it's not just a unity amongst one organization. It's a unity amongst the entire body of Christ. And those old worms are just... Every time that, that this little tree that's been cut down, and it's laying there just as a stump, and every time some life starts up, the first thing you know, we build a little organization around it, the worms get in and eat it down. I said, one of these days, God's going to bring down some insect powder. He's going to spray these worms. <laughs> They'll quit eating <laughs> from that time on. When a man can be so isolated from those things by the love of God and the Holy Ghost, it'll never touch him. We have people who sound that place. I've no man that wouldn't make any difference what organization you belong to or what you believe. You're a brother anyhow. They wouldn't draw any lines. That's, if they can work on one or two, it can work on the rest of us, that's right. We can all be the same. You know, I was thinking over in Job, the 14th chapter. It said there's hope in a tree if it dies. And the, even the stalk grows old, the roots of the ground. Through the scent of rain, water, it will bring forth brows again. Now, that gospel stump that's in the ground, the Pentecostal blessing, only thing it needs is some Pentecostal water. And Pentecostal water is the Word. Well, we're washed by the water, by the Word. And just some good old-fashioned Holy Ghost gospel teaching will certainly put that thing right back in its place and bring it out again. That's right. Now, I told Brother Moore this afternoon if I preach longer tonight in 20 or 30 minutes, for him to stick me in the back. And so I just, when I come to talk, I'm a long way from being a preacher, a theologian. But what I know about Jesus, I love to tell others. And I just put everything that there is in me in it, because it's my Lord's work. And if I was doing a job for you out here busting concrete, I'd do the best job I could do. How much more doing for the Lord. I want to do my best when I walk to this platform, do everything that lays within me to win souls to Christ. Because I know, and you know, we haven't got too much longer to do this. Now, being that we're going to have uh, the type of meeting that we will tonight, I'd like to encourage faith. People passing through the line like that, they must have faith. 
So I want to read uh, just a verse out of the 14th verse of the 22nd chapter of Genesis. And Abraham called the name of the place Jehovah-Jireh, as it is said, To this day in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. God in the Old Testament had seven compound redemptive names. And when this picture was taken that you see out there of the pillar of fire, as I regard it that way, and the night that it was taken is when Brother Bosworth asked a Baptist preacher in a debate in Houston, Texas, this question. He said, if you will answer me this one question, yes or no, I'll walk off the platform. He said, was the redemptive names of Jehovah applied to Jesus, yes or no? That settled it. If the redemptive names of Jehovah was not applied to Jesus, he was not Jehovah Jireh or Jehovah Rabbi, the Lord, or Jehovah Jireh, the Lord's provided sacrifice, and if he was Jehovah Jireh, he's Jehovah Rabbi also, the Lord that heals all our diseases. They're inseparable. Just like you can't separate them. You can't separate God from his nature and his motives. And if he is Jehovah Jireh tonight, the Lord will provide a sacrifice. If he wasn't that, then he wasn't the Lord's sacrifice and he wasn't the Savior. And if he is Jehovah Jireh, he's also Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that healed all our diseases. That settles it. There's no way of answering it. Just say it's yes or no. To deny is to deny Christ being the Savior. To accept it is to accept him as your healer. So there's no other way out of it. And I'm so glad of that. Now we're going to speak tonight on this one compound redemptive thing. Jehovah Jireh. And now to get a background of our story. Everything, you must not take just one little scripture to prove anything. It must lay out in the whole view of the Bible. That's the way we want to do it. The subject must run completely from Genesis to Revelation. It must tie right in with the rest of the Bible in the right place. And Abraham will have to go back before we get this sacrifice. We'll have to go back and find out who Abraham was. And I truly believe that the Spirit of God that was in Abraham was a part of Christ. I believe that the, the part of the Holy Spirit that we have today is a part of Christ. Being that I said what I did this morning, I would like to explain this. What is these great gifts and things. Christ was in Joseph. Do you believe that? Look, I was sold for 30 pieces of silver, almost 30. 
brothers, loved of his father, just exactly like Christ, and how that they hated him because he was spiritual, could see visions and interpret dreams, spiritual, just like Christ. He was thrown in a ditch, supposing he'd be dead, just like Christ. He was raised up from the ditch and set at the right hand of Pharaoh, and when Joseph went forth, they blowed trumpets and said, Bow the knee to Joseph. He could find Pharaoh's princes at his own pleasure, and no man could come to Pharaoh only through Joseph. Perfect picture of Christ. When David was dethroned out of Jerusalem and was drove up on the Mount of Olives by his own people, his own children, as David went up the mountain, he looked back over Jerusalem weeping. Eight hundred years later, the son of David, rejected in Jerusalem, sat on the Mount of Olives and said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how oft would I have gathered you as a hen does her brood? It was the Spirit of God in those men. Now, God is like a great big diamond. And that diamond has been chipped or cuffed in such a way a true cut diamond reflects many rays of light. And when we see in the church the many different gifts of the Spirit, it is only the reflection of, of the real diamond. And one may seem a little peculiar to the other, but it's the way the diamond reflects the light. So God does that also in the way that He reflects a gift of the Bible. One has the gift of knowledge, the other has the gift of tongues, and the other has the gift of something else. It's God reflecting these lights. And they are lights that gathered in one person, that's Almighty God. Now, Abraham was a part of God. Jesus said when he was sure on earth, Is not it written in your laws that ye are gods? If they call those gods to who the word of God come to, how about him being God? They were gods by measure. He was the fullness of God. God was in him, reconciling the world to himself. Now, Abraham... Let's take just a little look at his life. Who was he? Where did he come from? Was he a special born child? A seventh son of the seventh son? No, sir. He was just an ordinary man. He come from his father down from Babylon and perhaps was raised around idolatry. But God by election chose Abraham. Not because that he was a good man, but because God elected Abraham. And that's the only way that you'll ever come to God. It's God's election. God does the choosing. You have nothing to do with it. There's no man has sought God at any time. You can't seek God. It's God seeking you. It's something in you creating that desire. And that's the reason there's divine healing if the Bible didn't even say so. 
is that creating something in the children of God that's hunting for that fountain that's open. But the strange thing when you find to the fountain, like the disciples that night who was praying for help, and the very help that comes to them is afraid of it. Now, notice what God did. Now, Abraham in the Bible represents election, Isaac, justification, Jacob, grace, Joseph, perfection. Then it ran out. Perfection. Joseph was a perfect man. There's nothing against him in the Bible. But on this election, God chose Abraham, not because he was an educated man, not because he was a smart man, but because God saw something in Abraham before the foundation of the world. And that's the reason you are a Christian tonight, is because that God saw something in you before the foundation of the world, and put your name on the Lamb's Book of Life before the world ever was formed. How are you going to lose? How can you do it? The Bible says, the biggest fault that I can find with any of the churches, and especially the real church that's born again, they don't know who they are. You don't realize what the privilege that God has given you. You're looking for something way off in some kind of a millennium. But that's one the devil has pulled over you. Now we are the sons of God. Not we will be, we are now. And every redemptive blessing that the Lord Jesus died for is our personal property right now. Everything that he died for. Not we will be, we are now. Now let's watch Abraham and see what a promise God gave Abraham. God gave Abraham the promise and made the covenant with him unconditionally. Not if you'll do this, if you'll do that, he had nothing to do with it. God said, I've already saved you, you're going to come to me in old age. That settles it. When man makes covenant with God, man breaks his covenant. When man and God had covenant together in the Garden of Eden, man broke his covenant. Then he made a covenant with him through the law, man wouldn't even keep it. But God was determined to save man. So he gave the covenant to Abraham and his seed. Abraham and his seed unconditionally. Not because you do this and because you do that or because you have this or have that, but God made the covenant unconditionally. That's what the Bible says. Now you say, well, I wish I was a Jew. Well, that which is outwardly is not a Jew. But that which is inwardly, says the Bible. And we being dead in Christ, the Bible says that we take on Abraham's seed. 
And we are heirs with him. According to the promise. Every man that has been filled with the Holy Ghost has the seed of Abraham in him because he has the faith of Abraham in him. And Abraham believed God before circumcision or anything else, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness. You see it? That takes the scare out of you. It's not, oh, if I can just keep hanging on, oh, that is isn't the idea. I never did try to hang on. He done the hanging on, and by grace he saved me. It ain't what I do, it's what he done. What I do doesn't matter anything. It's what he's done for me. Now, if I love him, I will do everything that's in my power to do the right thing for him. Now, if a man says, well, I just, I just Presbyterian idea. I just walk up and shake hands and say, I got it. That's all right. I got eternal security. Brother, you're off the track. My wife, I love her. I made a covenant with her to be her husband. And if I was away from home and some woman would come to me and say, I love you. And I wanted, felt like that I would make love to the woman and Mitty would forgive me for it when I went home, I still wouldn't do it. Though I know she'd forgive me, I wouldn't hurt her like that. And a man that loves God you don't quit drinking, smoking just because you think you're going to keep you from going to hell. If you love the Lord, you do it because you don't want to hurt Him. I've seen fashion, cults, and seats of people to wear the ladies to wear long dresses, long sleeves, and long hair. That's all right. They should. But that isn't what takes you to heaven. You could have your hair long, your dresses long, and have a temper enough to fight a buzzsaw and hate your neighbor and everything else. But the reason that you do keep yourself the way it should be is because you love the Lord and want to keep His commandments. You're Abraham's daughter. Abraham's son. That's what does it. Now, Abraham believed God when God met him and talked to him and said, Now, Abraham, I've called you. I'm making my covenant with you. And I'm going to give you a son. Now, Abraham was 75 years old. And Sarah was 65 years old. And he married her when she was just a little girl because she was his half-sister. Now they lived together since they were little ones, been husband and wife all through the healthy days of Sarah. She's 65 years old, about 25 years or better past the menopause. And it was impossible for her to have that baby. But yet God asked Abraham to believe the impossible. And he asked you, the seed of Abraham, to believe the impossible because his word is a creative thing. Abraham.
Abraham just held on to God's word. He believed God. That's all he had to do. Now he didn't look at how uh, impossible it was. He just accepted and took God at his word and went to rejoicing over it. God loved that. Now Abraham didn't say, now wait a minute, Lord. When I begin to see something happen, when I begin to see and know by all signs of nature that we're going to have this baby, then I'm going to tell the people about it. But you couldn't expect me to go down and tell the doctor and get everything ready we're going to have a baby. He'd laugh at me. I'm 75 years old and she's 65. What do you think would happen today if an old man and woman 65 and 75 would walk into the doctor's office and say, Doctor, we want to make arrangements for the baby. The doctor would say, Say, is this your wife? Yes, I'd like to examine her. Why, it's impossible. Did nature come just according to the time? Yes. Well, it's impossible for her to have it. Then you'd say, Well, Doc, I suppose you're right. And go on back, it wouldn't happen. But Abraham didn't look at what the doctor said. Abraham looked at what God said. And Abraham's seed does the same thing. They don't look at what science says. They look at what God says. Oh, I'm so sad that he still has seed in the earth. They look at what God says. They take God's word for it. Now, could you imagine Sarah going down to the finest shop that she could find, an old woman, 65 years old, with a little grandma's shawl over her head, going down to the shop, buying bread iron pins and everything, getting ready? You'd imagine what the people would say? That old lady's gone off at the deep end. But you know why? She had God's word for her. Could you imagine Abraham going around testifying to everybody? Glory to God, we're going to have a baby now. I can imagine seeing the fellow says, poor old man. See, every time that anyone takes God at his word is considered a fanatic. And God asks you to believe for the impossible. Because he's able to do that which is impossible. Abraham staggered not the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong giving praise unto God. God wants you to do the miraculous. He wants you to believe the miraculous. And by accepting it by faith, you prove what you believe he is. You see God wants you to take his word for it. He speaks it, and if God has said it, all heavens and earth will pass away, but that word can't pass. Now, another thing God does. He told Abraham and Sarah to separate themselves from the company. God calls for separation. How much different is than us choosing anything? We choose choose mixers. (laughs) Oh, yes. I tell you, that's a socialist little fellow you've ever seen. Now, he's not a fanatic. He won't preach anything against television and all this kind of stuff like that, about women wearing bobbed hair and 
or these things like that. You never hear spoken in our church just because he hasn't got the real audacity, he hasn't got the baptism of the Holy Ghost to back it up. So, what we need is God-fearing preachers who tell us the truth. That's right. Now, that's what makes the separation. If I was choosing a pastor and I was on the board and I had to select a pastor, he is one of those wishy-washy kind of sissified guys like that. I sure wouldn't vote him into my church. Uh, anything I'd vote him out and get a man that did believe God's word and took God's word and preached it and stood on it. I want a son of Abraham up there, a son of God. Now, notice, Abraham had to separate himself. And as long as his kinfolks hanged around with him, and he didn't do what God told him to do, the blessing never was made manifest. And as long as you keep holding on to a little petty something, a little something here, a little something there, God can never fully bless you. As long as you try to take God for a totem pole. You know, Brother Roberts is down. Hallelujah. I had him not me and pray for me. Glory to God. If it don't work, a Paul King comes through. Hallelujah. I'll give him a round. Right now, Brother Branham comes. I'll let him give me a round, too. And see how it come out. You'll just be the same old guy with the same old disease. Whenever one of them do because there's nothing good in any of us. But when you forget about preachers and personalities and look to the Lord Jesus Christ, then you're going to get somewhere. Take God at His Word. See? It's God's Word that's creating. God's Word is a seed. And a seed sown and taken care of, if it's germatized and a good seed, it'll bear the kind of fruit it is. So if you need healing, Ask him, here's a promise, and your every promise is yours. Now, we find out then, a little later on, as he begin to move on, then there come a separation time, that he had to separate himself from his kindred. His father died, as long as the old man was long, he never did bless him. But after all was separated, God appeared to him. Zada took his choice, went out into Sodom, as long as Lot hung along with arguments, and as long as you stick around with unbelievers, you'll find the same trouble. But when Abraham was ninety and nine years old, ninety-nine, that made Sarah eighty-eight. Could you imagine Abraham? Could you imagine when Abraham went and told Sarah's wife, Say, sweetheart, you know we've always longed to have children. Oh, yes, Abraham. Well, bless God, we're going to have a baby. Well, sir, say, Abraham, uh, I, I don't understand. Neither do I. Well, how do you know we're going to have a baby? God said so. That settles it. God said so, he's going to do it. Well, the, after the first few days, well, maybe the first month, why well, he comes to Sarah and he said, Sir, how you feeling, honey? Not a bit of difference. Abraham, are you sure? He said, glory to God, we're going to have it anyhow. Good. How do you know, Abraham? God said so. The second month passed. Sir, how do you feel? Anything happened? Not a bit of difference. Glory to God. We're going to have it anyhow. How do you know? God said so. The first year passed. Sir, you still got all those diapers and things ready? Yes. 
Have you felt any difference? Not a bit, but hallelujah, we're going to have it anyhow. God said so. Keep my thoughts in them, they'll be all right. All right, when 25 years passed, 25 years passed, Sarah, how do you feel? No difference. Glory to God, we're going to have it anyhow. There you are. He didn't look at circumstances, he looked at what God said. He was looking at the Word. Years some time ago, I went in to pray for a boy that had diphtheria, and he choked me, choking to death. The old daddy come over with the mother, knowing that, that boy, at first he wouldn't let me go in. And the doctor there, the head doctor, was, I learned, was Catholic. And I said, well, you let the priest go in. He said, that's different. You're married men got children. I said, I mean just as much to that boy as the priest would mean to a Catholic boy. I said, the father here has sent for me to come pray for the boy. He said, but you got children, Reverend. I said, I know that, but I've got a Savior, too. He said, do you know that you can pack the disease to your child? I said, doctor, I appreciate your efforts and all that you do, but there's one thing you don't understand. I said, my God can shield me from that. He's done it many times through leprosy and everything else. I take his word for it. And when we went in, he dressed me up like a Ku Klux Klan, and when we went in there and knelt down to pray for the boy, just with all your little prayer, got up, the mother's on one side, the dad was on the next side, the boy had been unconscious for two days. And his heart went so low to the cartogram showed. I forget what it was. I don't understand the machinery of it. But the nurse said it would never rise again. It couldn't. Never had been known to rise. His heart beat. And then when I got through praying, just a little prayer, got up, the old father reached across to the mother and he said, Mother, isn't this wonderful? But oh, praise God for healing our boy. The boy was still unconscious. I looked at him and honest, my heart admired him. And the mother said, Yes, Dad, that's just wonderful. How we thank the Lord. And the old brother put his hands up in the air and said, Oh, God, how I thank you for healing my boy. Boy, laying her down. And the little nurse standing there, she walked over to him and she said, Sir, I don't understand. But how can you take that so lightly when your boy is dying? Oh, he said, he's not dying. But he's living and going to be well. Oh, she said, I can't appreciate your faith. And she said, but there's one thing you must understand, sir. This machine is scientific. And if that hand went way down here, it can never come back again. It never has, and it never will. The old patriarch put his arm around the little lady, and he said, Look, little lady, see, you're looking to that machine, for that's what you've been trained to look at. That's all you know about. But that I'm looking to a divine promise of God that he'll raise him up. The boy's married now and got a family. What? It depends on what you look at. If God 
made the promise, God's obligated to keep that promise. No matter what the circumstances is. Then God told Abraham, he appeared to him, in the name of El Shariah, the bosom. And he said, Abraham, I am the Almighty God. Walk before me and be perfect. And he had, he said, I am the El Shariah, the breasted God. The El Shariah means breast like the woman. Now, not breast, but breasted. I am the breasted God. I am the strength giver. Like a little baby when it's sick and fretting, crying, kicking, squalling, and the mother picks it up and she leans it on her bosom and it begins to nurse the mother's strength. And as the little fellow starts nursing, the first little taste of strength, he quits crying. And Mama just packed him a little, and he's satisfied while he's a nursing. He doesn't fret anymore, and he's bringing in his strength all the time. Well, that's what God is to the believer. He is the blessed God. He was wounded for our transgressions. With his stripes we were healed. And the believer lays right a hold of the breast of God, the Word of God, the New and Old Testament. And he lays right a hold of that divine promise and nurses and blesses God and pulls on the believer on his belief from God till he nurses back his strength again. And he's satisfied all the time he's nursing. Oh my, I like that. You don't notice how, did I go an inch a while ago? He don't pay attention when he go to an inch or he's just nursing. That's where a believer is. If it's explained to them by the Bible that he heals the sick, the believer just takes his word for it and that settles it. That's all. You don't say, am I any better? Can I move my finger a little more? Can I twist my toe? That don't have one thing to do with it. Not one thing. It's what happened in here. It ain't what's happened out here. It's what's happened here in the heart. Man, please, God, from the heart. And as long as that divine promise can find an anchoring place in the human heart, there is no devils in hell to be carried away from it. It's there. He believes it. He'll die by it. For he believes it. And holding that promise, as well as keeps holding it and believing it, the finger begins to wiggle. Then the hand begins to move. See, he's nursing the strength of God into his own body. And then God told Abraham, he said, now that you're separated from what? He took the bad choice. All the fields was watered down in Sodom. Big cities were built full of sin. And isn't it strange that that lukewarm believer lot would go down to the best place he could find, the most beautiful place he could find, take the road of ease? And isn't it strange thing that sometimes people who say that they believe God they want to take the road of luxury. They want to take the road where there's no trial. They want to take the easiest way out. 
They want to take the way that's not persecuted. They want to take the road of ease. It's just a lukewarm believer. But Abraham, the man of God, gave Lot his choice and taken what was left. Oh, I just love that. A real believer will give you your choice. He's willing to take what's left. There's no selfishness in a real believer. Not at all. Now notice again. After God had separated and taken his place, God appeared to Abraham. He said, Abraham, rise up. Look all around. Look to the east. Look to the west, to the north, and to the south. He said, every bit of it belongs to you. It's all yours. I've given it to you. It's yours. Well, Abraham is going to fall heir to all of it. So he said, get up and walk around through the land and see what you do. I think God calls the children of Abraham to do that. If this little group of people gathered here tonight would only get up, if the people in Phoenix alone would only search out through the world what you have, you possess all things. All things were given to us by Jesus Christ. If we're believers, you know, if I bought a home, and if it's mine, I go through the things, see what I have. I'm just kind of a prospector. I like to dig around, find out what I got. I'm an heir of salvation. I'm an heir of divine healing. I'm an heir of heaven. I'm an heir to the earth. I'm an heir, joint heir with Christ in all things. Then I like to look through this book of prospect and see what all I'm an heir to. You know, it's just like a great big arcade. A great big place. But they told me I own that arcade. I like to go and see what I have. I like to pull out this drawer and look in it and see what I got in there. I like to go over here and open this place up and see what I got in there. I like to go somewhere else and look. If someplace that's just a little bit high, I just get this step ladder. Walk right up and pull it down and look at it. See what it belongs to me. It's all mine. Well, that's where it is in the Bible. If anything looks too far away, too big, too high, just get out on your knees. That's your step ladder. Lord, let me understand it. Just keep moving right up till you touch it. Look at all those bones to you. It's all yours. It's for every believer. Some time ago, I was talking to a man named John Sproul. He's a good friend of mine. He spoke to the country many years ago with the old glory barn. I don't know if he's ever out here or not. Went through the eastern country, and a lot of you eastern people will remember John Sproul. And he was one of Brother Bob's worst converts. He was healed with a bad throat. He got gas with mustard gas sucked into his nose or throat and burning. He didn't have no voice at all. And Brother Bob was great for him. He got healed. Called his wife up, and she fainted. And he went out, wanting to sick, and praying for him. Took a little vacation and went over to France. He went out to La Salle-Lorraine, France. He's going through a great garden and he found a statue of the Lord Jesus. And he was standing there with his wife, he said, in amazement. Then look at that. What did the sculpture mean? 
Why this thing doesn't have nothing but just it's the truth. There can't be no suffering of Christ then. And the guy come up to him and said, Mr. Spool, I suppose you're criticizing that. He said, I am. He said, I'll come here just a moment. And he took him up, and there was an altar built there beneath the, the statue. And so he said, kneel down. And he knelt down, said, now look up. Oh, he said, felt like his heart would just break. There was every suffering of Christ. There was every agony that he went through. Looked like the sculpture had reproduced that in the features of his face. And so he turned and looked again to the, to the guy. He said, Mr. Spool, said, you see, the sculpture had in mind one thing. Said that when he made this statue, he didn't make it for people to stand off and look at it this way. He made it so that people bow down and look up to it this way. That's the same way it is with every promise in the Bible. It isn't for you to try to mix it with your worldly wisdom, to try to figure out how could God do this? How could God do that? The Bible wasn't written for that. The Bible's promises were written for you to bow down and look up to, then they look different to you. When you look up to them like that, God kept his promise with Abraham. He gave him a child. And the little boy, when he was born, rose to about 12, 14 years old. And you know how that must have been a lovely thing in that family. Now, a mother of about 110, 15, a father of about 125 or 30. If we had time, I might have preached on it once before. How God turned it back to a young man and a woman, and I've had it in magazines and so forth and made them over again, which you'll do every born-again child of Abraham someday in the resurrection. And then one day God wanted to make it real plain to the people in Phoenix. So how he was going to do it, he was going to give this Abraham a double test. So he said, Abraham, take thine son, thy only son, and take him to a certain mountain where I'm going to show you, and there sacrifice him. Now, what if Abraham would have took the second thought? How am I going to be the father of a nation when you am this old and you're asking me to kill and destroy the only evidence that I have that you'll keep your word to make me a father of a nation? How God loves to test His people. Every child who comes to God must be tested. Child trees, no exceptions. Everyone. And maybe tonight that you are sick just to have a little child tree, just a little testing. Don't be discouraged. God's on the throne. He knows all things. If we're truly born to the Spirit of God, everything's working together for our good. He's going to make everything right. He promised He would. He swore He would. And He's got to keep that word. He's kept it now for thousands of years. There is a believer. Would you be any exception? No, sir. You're no exception. Now watch Him now. Watch how this beautiful act takes place. Now, Abraham did not want to tell Sarah about this. Because her only little curly-headed boy 
We're about 12 years old. How hard it would be to take that little fellow out and tell Sarah. The mother just didn't understand. How am I going to tell her to take this little boy out and go to kill him? Why, she wouldn't understand it. And there's many times we have to go ahead and do things and preach things that we really don't want to do it, but we just don't understand it. But God's working everything just right. See, it's all for the good. Sometimes you can't tell your congregation. You can't tell the public. You can't tell your own church why. But you've got to do it anyhow. Now notice, one morning he gets up, chops some wood, and puts it on a little mule, calls a couple of servants, and got the little boy up, said, we're going out to worship. And they went three days' journey. Now, I can walk anytime 25 to 30 miles a day. And I drive a lot in a car. I, have, I patrol for seven years, averaging 26 and 28 miles a day through wilderness. And those people then can walk better than we can now. But we're used to riding and so forth. But now, if he walked three days at 25 miles a day, he was 75 miles back from civilization. And then he lifted up his eyes and saw the mount way off where God had shown him in a vision. And so when he got to the hill, I just love this part, he said to the service, you stay here, the boy and I are going yonder to worship, and he and I will return. Did you get it? The boy and I will return. How are you going to do it, Abraham? Explain to me. If you've got the knife in the sheath here and a vision from God telling you to go kill that boy, how are you two going to return back? But God believed Abraham, or Abraham believed God. He didn't take no second thought. The only thing he knows, God gave the promise. And if Abraham had received Isaac as one from the dead, he knew that God could raise him up from the dead again. And if you being dead in sin and trespasses, without any nature to serve God at all, and God by election calls you and gave you His Spirit without you making any choice. No man can come to me except my Father draws him first. And if God did that to you without you being able to make a choice, how much more will He heal you and keep you when you've got a choice by a sworn effort of His? A marvelous thing. How did God promise. Abraham didn't take the second thought. He said, well, God's been good. He kept his promise. I don't know how he's going to do it, but he'll do it. I can't tell you how God does it, how that he could heal a man that's dying with cancer, and the doctors has given him up, and he's eat to pieces, but if it would be necessary, I believe tonight I could produce 500 cases of it. Sure. Today, as I was going into the restaurant to eat the breakfast. A little man standing behind me. 
And he said, do you remember me? I didn't. But somebody had told me that that man was brought to the meeting with TB so bad that he couldn't even whisper. And I believe he's one of the sponsoring pastors tonight. Or he's a minister of the gospel. Preach with a voice like a roaring lion. How can God do that? I can't explain it, but God said he'd do it. That settles it. You take his word. You don't try to figure it out. You can't figure it out. I've seen so many times that people say, well, God has figured out. I got this. I got to understand it. Then it isn't a faith anymore. Faith is not what you understand. Faith is what you accept and can't explain it. It's an act of faith. Now, when he touched the boy, the fire and the wood, and went up the hill, little Isaac got cured. If you see, it's a perfect picture of God leading his son up Mount Calvary. certainly is. The father and the son, the only begotten. It's a perfect picture. And when they get up to the top of the mountain, little Isaac says, Father, said, here is the altar, here's the wood, here's the fire. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? He couldn't understand. Look at Abraham and not a quiver in his voice. He said, My son, God will provide for himself a lamb for the sacrifice. Didn't know yet what was going to take place. He was stepping right up like the Hebrew children, right up to the fire furnace. We are God's able to deliver us, but nevertheless, we won't bow to your image. So when he got there, he took little Isaac, put his hands behind him, tied him, tied his feet, laid him up on the altar, pulled back his little hair away from his face. Could you imagine the feeling of a father? Pulled a knife out of the sheath. Little Isaac never squealed. He never made an offer. He was trusting his father. Oh, how those real dark hours can come. Yet a real believer will trust his father. You're trusting. Like Job said, so he slay me, yet I trust him. And when he drew the knife to slice the throat of his own son, raised it up in his hand, no doubt a little tear come down from the beard across his face. But as he raised up to slice the throat of his own son, about that time something caught his hand. And the Holy Spirit spoke from the heavens and said, Abraham, stay your hand. And about that time, uh, a little ram bladed behind him. A ram, a male sheep, had got his horns hooked in the weeds and the vines. And Abraham loosed his son right quick, went over and picked up this lamb, ram, and laid him up on the altar and killed the ram in the place of his son. I want to ask you something. Seriously now. Where did that ram come from? Think of it. Practically 75 to 100 miles away from civilization, wolves and lions and everything else in the country. And besides that, he was up on top of a mountain where there's no water. And the ram could not have existed there. 
And why didn't Abraham see the ram when he was picking up the stones all around him to make the altar? It wasn't there. It was impossible for it to be there. It would have been, if a ram would have strayed that far away, it would have been killed. It wouldn't have been up on top of the mountain because you know yourself, sheep don't stay up there. Sheep stays in the meadows, the brush. But here was this ram up there. Where did it come from? God created it. And that's the reason Abraham called the place Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide the sacrifice. Now, he didn't see a vision. A vision doesn't produce blood. The ram had a corporal body. And it had literal corporal blood. And he killed the ram and offered the ram instead of his son. Why was it? Abraham was taking God at his word come to the end. And God is able to do the same thing here tonight to the seed of Abraham. So take him at his word. No matter how sick you are, what's your condition? If you just step right up and take God at his word, God will provide. You say, I have no blood, I'm anemic. God can provide blood for you. You say, oh, my tissues are heat up with leukemia. How about the little boy I was on the platform the other night? I was just told tonight the little boy was taken back to his doctor and he was pronounced absolutely negative. The same doctor that examined him before. What happened? He's Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide. And men and women will provide the faith. God will provide the substance. For faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. Oh, seed of Abraham. Don't you believe that he will provide for you tonight? And besides that, my brother, sister, he has already provided the lamb. And it's already made. The only thing you have to have is faith in his word. Let us pray. Our dear blessed Father, as our hearts beat beneath our shirts tonight to the skin of our bodies, we just can't express what we think about you. How we're living in this great, marvelous day. We think in our lesson tonight that we didn't have a chance to get to. How do you tell Abraham, look at the sands of the sea? Can you number them? No. Neither will your seeds be numbered. Then he said, look up to the stars. Can they be numbered? No. Neither will your seeds to be numbered. I'm thanking God. What was it? From the dust to the stars. The seeds of Abraham in the same promise, the same covenant. Someday you'll speak the word, and every seed of Abraham that's in the dust of the earth shall shine like the stars forever.
We thank thee because thou hast by grace given us this unconditional covenant that has called us by thy own dear Son, the Lord Jesus, and give us eternal life that believe on him. And now, Father, tonight, I pray that these words go scattered through a tired, weary throat, that you will let them go because of the motives that I had behind to speak your word. It was to create faith among the people. And we're going to call these children of Abraham up to this platform to pray for them. Oh, blessed God, will you meet them here as they fulfill everything that is promised? Give them the faith, for it is written in the Bible by the Lord Jesus' own words, if they lay their hands on the sick, they shall recover. That's the promise. Let the children believe it, Lord. Oh, we know they will if they are the children of Abraham. They'll take God at his word and call those things which are not as though they were. May it be said, Lord, that the night will be the great night when the great six lines will be lined up here that every one of them may be healed. And accept the Lord Jesus as a healer. For we ask it in his name. Amen. I'm very sorry to be so hoarse and kept as long as I did. But you were very nice to set and wait. Thank you very kindly. And I say to you, I love you also. And every one of you. And I pray now that each one of these people here, visitors, there are just fine churches in this city. The pastors here, I don't think there's room for them on the platform, but they're around here. You get with some of these pastors now and find you a good church to go to in the morning. Go to Sunday school tomorrow and stay for church. They'll be glad to have you. Some of these good full gospel pastors here. They'll welcome you to their church. Then I think it falls out tomorrow afternoon for another service and then close out tomorrow night. I don't know when I can ever be back to Phoenix again. That I can't say. But I pray that I've longed before I come here. I've been here so many times I feel ashamed of myself. And I... I, before I come, I gave it very much consideration and prayer. And I thought, well, God, I know how those two sons are without yeah. And I said, but will you just do something special for me while I'm there this time? Let something happen, Lord, that'll do Phoenix a whole lot of good. Granted is what my prayer is. I don't know what it will be. I'm not asking God what it will be, but I'm just asking Him to do it. Something that will leave, parties leave behind us, footprints on the sands of time. Now, I believe I told Billy, told you all last night, that anybody that wanted to receive a card, not under the anointing, 
discernment, but just to come to the line to be prayed for, to be here tonight and get your car. And I, you give them a, what, 50? I'm saying, what? F. All right. He gave out prayer cards F to those people. F, 1 to 50. And now, I'm sorry, 50 to 100. 50 to 100. F, 50 to 100. Now we're going to try to pray for everyone. And now, let's see. Let's stand up. Who has F number one? Would you raise your hand if we could get them? Look at your prayer card. F number one. Oh, I'm sorry. All I tried to say one. All right. F fifty. Who has F fifty? Raise up your hand. Prayer card F fifty. All right, lady. Did you come here? Fifty one. All right, lady. Fifty two. Fifty three. 54, 55, 56. I wish you'd let them stand right out that way tonight if it's all right with you. Say, we're going to have to have someone to go to Jack in here. All right. 50, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 57, 58, 59, 60. Go there, raise up your hands. F, 60. Go to you will. Billy wants you over here to the line. Uh, 60, 61. Raise up your hands real quick. 61, 62, 63. I believe a little Mexican girl there raised up her hand. All right. 64, 72, F72, I, I never seen the hand, I don't believe, F72, would you raise up your hand who has F72, oh, well, alright lady, 73, 73, would you raise, 74, 75, 76, 77, 78, 79, 80, 81, 80, 81, did I see the 81? We don't want to miss anyone. 81, 82, 82, 83, 84, 84, Prayer card 84. Some of you help me to look at it. All right, 85, 86, 87, 87, 88. Now she's got a uh, sister one here. She has 87, 87. All right, 88. Prayer card F88. All right, 89. 90. 90. All right, 91. 92, 93, record F93, do I see it, F93, 
96. 96, F96. 96, F96. Have I missed it? 8, F96. Yeah, all right, 97, 
just about two or three. Well, I don't know if the Lord, maybe I'll try to, maybe a one or two, if the Lord will permit, they get anointing, you know, we'll pray for this handkerchief. Then maybe Brother Moore can walk the back and we'll just make them let the people come to Now, if, uh, if each one of you coming, if you believe with all your heart and with all your soul, now what does it take? The Bible says, these signs shall follow them that believe. Is that right? If they lay their hands on the sick, they shall recover. How many know that that was the last words that Jesus Christ said on this earth? St. Mark 16. The last words that ever fell from the lips of Jesus Christ that if they lay their hands on the sick, they shall recover. My ministry has never been too effective in America. But oh, how it goes overseas. Brother Moore was telling me that he said, Brother Ram, as hard as you preach this week, if that would be anywhere outside the United States, there'd be a hundred or two hundred thousand souls run the ground. Right? Now you see what a documented condition we're in here. Oh, my. It's becoming to a mass Corinthianism. Right? Just everything. This is us. We this. We won't have them do this and this, that. Step out and take the word. Believe God. Poor little America. Feel sorry for him. But the hour is at hand. God can't judge a just people. They pass from judgment. But it has to get in this fixed so he can stand his judgment. You just remember, we are in part. Just keep that on your books and see how long it's going to be. Now, if the mighty works would have been done in Africa that's been done in Arizona, they'd have repented long ago. If the mighty works that's been done in Arizona had been done in Germany, would have had no war, been repented long ago. In Germany, I made my order call five nights and got 10,000 each night, uh, and but 50,000 souls won to Christ in five nights and never touched the person. They just pile up and heap up and everything of crutches, wheelchairs, just pile them in corners and everything. Brother Julius Stutzcliff is somewhere in the building tonight. I seen him a while ago setting a chaplain Stutzcliff. He was with me in South Africa on Durban where many thousands of people to a big racetrack and we were only there about three or four days, something like that. And they were still coming to the meeting a week after I was gone. And the uh, order call was made of the line to call. We couldn't give out prayer cards. We just let the missionaries go out and take two out of this tribe and two out of this tribe and two out of that tribe. There's about 15 tribes there. And they lined up a little prayer line. And the first one coming to the platform was a Mohammedan woman. And that woman went... I said, why did you come to me as a Christian if you're a Muhammad? 
The interpreter said, said, well, she believed that I could help her. I said, why didn't you go to priest? Well, she believed I could help her. I said, have you ever read the Bible? Yes. And if Jesus will return and do the same things that he did when he was here, and let me know who you are, what's happening, and so forth, and what you're here for, would you believe it and accept Jesus? She raised her hand, she would. And the Holy Spirit come down, said, you went with your husband. He's a low, heavy set man with a black mustache. You went to, to uh, she was an Indian, went to the doctor the other day, and he examined you in the female glands. He said you had a cyst that should be operated on. She said, that's right, and she said to the Lord Jesus. That shook the Muhammad to 10,000 came to Christ at one time. And I met a missionary who said, the precious jewel, the precious jewel. He'd been there 30 years preaching and have won one Muhammad. Brother, the Mohammeds, them Hindus came from the old Medes and Persians. They all turn out. <laughs> That's right. But the real, genuine Lord Jesus in action at one time, well, and when I made the altar call that afternoon, which I believe in, Brother Julius, I believe you believe the same, way over what we said, but 30,000 came to Christ at one time. One altar call. And F.F. Bosworth, and if anybody ever met a saint in this modern day, it's F.F. Bosworth. Yes, sir, I'd stand with that if I was dying this minute. And that old man stood there looking over that crowd and weeping, and it was estimated 25,000 miraculous healings taking place and never touched a person who stood there and prayed for him. Seven truckloads. Of, air, of all kinds of sticks and stretchers and things that's picked up off the ground. Well, they walked right away from it. Twenty-five thousand. Think of it. And here you can reach and you tap your life out. Someone says, well, pretty good enough. Oh, I don't care to go back anymore. Is that America for you? Oh, your day has come. I'm not talking to the church. Your day's at hand, too. That's the rapture. <laughs> Praise be to God. Brother Sasquatch, wasn't that a wonderful meeting? Would you just stand up a minute? Here's the author of the book, A Prophet Visits Africa, Chaplain Jesus Sasquatch. The captain of the United States Army now. He was trained, I believe, at Wheaton or somewhere there. And the same college and so forth that Billy Graham come from went right along with me writing that book and taking those pictures. He was standing there that night when that I saw that bus coming in the first night when I landed there in Africa, and there was that bus moving in there. I saw that boy one leg six inches short, another chaplain sat paper standing right there taking that note when he had. When I looked around, I seen a little green car fly sideways and hit into a tree and broke the back of a young girl, and I couldn't find her. Why oh, she's laying way down under here. And when I walk, I never, well, be careful what you tell her. But I saw a vision of her rejoicing and running. I said, stand up on your feet, young lady. Jesus Christ makes you well. Her mother said, oh, no, no, she can't stand. If the doctor says that she moves, she'd die. Back was snapping together. And the girl sprang to her feet rejoicing, and the mother fell in the cup. The girl came out of it. Right. Brother Statsford has the pictures of it from the book. Yeah. That settled it. Thousands times thousands. 
loose forms of crime. But we've got to study it out. I'm, I'm not talking about the church in America. Look at here tonight. How many in here say, let's see your hands? Every Christian in here. See? Sinners are not interested, are they? They don't want to come. No care about it. Just about sinned away the day of grace. I've seen in 33 how cars would look before the coming of the Lord. They're putting in that shape. You remember, I prophesied this. You mark it in your books. I've told you many times. Every time here, there will come a time. America is a woman's nation. And a woman will rise up soon in America and become a great person like a president or somewhere before the coming of the Lord, I believe. Just remember that. And I've said that. And cars will become more like an age shape just before the total annihilation or the destruction comes to this nation. Let us pray. Now, Heavenly Father, here we are. We're on the threshold of a, of a new event. Here's many standing here sick and afflicted to come through the line. Behold your servant, Lord. Here's handkerchiefs laying here, packages, letters. They're going to the needy. I bless these handkerchiefs in Christ's name, and may everyone be healed. Grant it, Lord. I pray that this blessing will be received by everyone. And as Americans, as a servant of God in this nation, and this is people, I bless this people in Christ's name. Oh, God, I pray that you'll bless every minister. And oh, may we get a new vision of lost souls and scream as loud as we can for the end is at hand. Grant it, Lord, I pray in Christ's name. Amen. I'm going to try something just now. Now I want you brothers to watch, because when I get under, if the anointing would come. I'd like to pray for all these people as a promise, but I'd like to pray for them so you could get them moving first, so that the whole group could be prayed for. But I'd like to first feel the touch of, I can't help it, friends. You may think I'm a fanatic. But I know that in myself, there, I haven't got nothing here. I'm just a man. And I, I want to feel that something and know that anointing is here. Before I lay hands on these people, though I can't stop with them, all I can do is can't do it. But I just like to feel the anointing for the first three or four or five people or something. Then you brothers just watch. Would that be satisfaction with the whole of the crowd? And how many out there is going to join with me and pray with me now? Up in the balcony. See, all you people look up there. There's at least a thousand people here tonight. I've judged that many anyhow. I'm a poor judge. But I say there's a thousand people here. There'll be a thousand prayers going for you at once. All the children of God. Look at what kind of people. Every one of you is falling again. Raise your hand. See what? God's got to hear it. I said, where two or three are gathered in my name, I'll be in their midst. And sure. Now, a little vindication of that. May the Lord God of heaven grant it. For the glory of God. Brother Moore, you stand there, and after three or four passes through, you see it just gets a touch of weakness, and you start the line coming. Now, ladies, you're standing here for something. I don't know. He does. You know, I don't know nothing about you. And don't know what you're here for. 
But what you, says, what are you trying to do, Brother Brennan? I'm yielding like that. Just, did the Bible say in one place, Behold the lilies of the field? That's in the Bible. What does the lily do? He toils all day and night just to yield itself to the bee and the passerby. To give out. He has made a lily. God makes honey. So he makes the lily to give out the honey. He just gets in his church. We just yield ourselves. And yield. Now, if God will permit you to know what you want to ask God for, just a moment, would you believe with all your heart? Now, you know that I don't know what you're praying about now. I, I couldn't tell you. But if you'll ask God something, and he'll tell me what you want, would you believe it? Will the audience believe then? Now, this is for you, children. Now, each one believe it. While you're out there, believe yourself. That's just a time for the lady. The lady is supposed to be prayed for for a heart condition. It's a drop piece. You believe that he'll make you well of it? Heal you? Give you what? Aren't you a minister's one? I thought so. I believe I know your husband. All right? Come here just a moment. Our blessed Heavenly Father, we bless this woman in Christ's name that she will receive her healing for the glory of God. Amen. God bless you, baby. Now to you, lady, do you believe with all your heart? The Bible said, if thou canst believe, all things are possible. Your trouble's in your throat. And that's called an ulcer of the throat. And it's got, uh, it's caused something in the gland. And it's affecting your ears. That's right, isn't it? Now, do you believe? Come here. Oh, blessed Jesus, I pray that you'll heal her. In the name of Lord Jesus Christ, amen. God bless you. How do you do do you believe with all your heart? God can take the cataract away. You, I can't see it, but you've got a cataract. And you're believing God for it. You believe me to be God's prophet. You're not from here. No, sir. Your wife's with you. And she's already accepted her healing. And you're from Ohio. Right? Your name's Weber. That's right. I'll hurry back and get well. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. How do you do? You believe? Young man, I don't know you. I've never seen you, but there's a dark shadow over you. The doctor has condemned you to die. 
That is, you said you had a tumor in your head. He gives you six months to live. Won't you surrender now and all your habits and everything with it? Will you do it? Surrender to Christ, quit smoking everything else and give your life to Christ. Will you do it? I condemn this devil on the basis of the shed blood of Jesus Christ that it will leave this fire. And may the report be like from the leukemia child. May this young man live and be well in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless you, young fellow. Alright, God bless this man in healing in the name of Jesus Christ. God bless our brother and heal him in Jesus Christ's name. Heavenly Father, bless our sister to heal her in Christ's name. Bless this little boy, Lord, and heal him in Jesus Christ's name. God bless this man and heal him in Jesus Christ's name. God bless this young man and heal him in Jesus Christ's name. God bless this lady and heal her in Jesus Christ's name. God bless this little lady and heal her in Jesus Christ's name. God bless this lady to heal her in Jesus Christ's name. God bless this girl and heal her in Jesus Christ's name. God bless this man and heal him in Jesus Christ's name. God bless our brother and heal him in Jesus Christ's name. Just a moment. Are you praying, audience? Be a prayer now. There's visions over the audience even. Oh, my. It's so hard to run this kind of line. Pray for me. You pray for me, too. Keep praying now. Just keep praying. Oh, Lord, bless this person in Jesus' name. Lord, bless our sisters in Lord, bless our sisters in Lord, bless this woman in Lord, bless this dear woman in Lord, bless this dear woman in Jesus' name. God bless this Indian sister in the name of Jesus, I pray. God bless this young lady in the name of Jesus, I pray. God bless this lady in the name of Jesus, I pray. God bless our sister in Jesus Christ's name. God bless our brother in Jesus Christ's name. God bless our sister. In Jesus Christ. God bless this our brother in Jesus Christ. God bless this little boy in Jesus Christ. God bless this lady in Jesus Christ. The Lord bless our brother in Jesus Christ. God bless this lady in Jesus Christ. God bless our sister in Jesus Christ. God bless our brother. In Jesus Christ's name. God bless our sister in Jesus' name. God bless this brother in Jesus Christ's name. Now while we're waiting a minute, how many of the audience has been prayed for brings you such your healing? Now you wanted hands laid on you. I want to see if you believe it now. Lay your hand, uh, raise your hands up. You just come through the prayer line. Please you've been healed. Thank the Lord. That's good. I may be altogether wrong. Uh, it may be in America we're supposed to do it this way. I don't know. All right. Have faith now. Keep praying. All the audience, keep praying. Everybody pray. I'm just closing my eyes and laying hands on the sick. 
God bless our dear sister in Jesus' name. God bless my brother in the name of Jesus. God bless our sister in the name of Jesus. God bless the brother in the name of Jesus Christ. God bless our sister in the name of Jesus Christ. God bless this child in Jesus' name. God bless Sister Rara in Jesus' name. Just a moment while we're standing here. This moment here, down in the prayer line, when I was here the first time, Mrs. Hattie Waldo, her husband is a plumber, been a bosom friend, and the woman had cancer, and she wanted to come in here where she lived or died. And in the prayer line, somebody told me that someone was dying, and the Lord healed that woman. That's been about 10 years ago, Sister Waldo. And I was 10 years last Monday. She knows the very day and time. And she, one night, I believe I was up in Canada, way up in Saskatchewan, Brother Stockman, and they called me to pray for her little grandson, I believe it was, grand, sister, grandson, what was going on? brain hemorrhage and polio in the St. Joseph's Hospital and prayed for him on the, by the phone and the Lord healed that little boy perfectly normal and well. He was in the house and we eat with our sister over there one night. Wasn't that right, Sister Waldorf? God bless your heart. God bless you, sister. Let's say praise the Lord. Amen. Hey. How great thou art! How great thou art! Oh, I wish I could sing that. How great thou art! Isn't he wonderful? Now, everybody, bow your head and pray. All right? Dear God, I pray for this lovely little child that you'll heal her and make her well. Be right to me. God bless this, our sister. And by laying on of hands, God has said in our words, These signs shall follow them that believe. If they lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. This I do in Jesus' name. Likewise to our sister, I lay my hands in Jesus' name. Likewise to our sister in Jesus' name, may she be healed. Like manner to our brother, in Jesus' name, may he be healed. In like manner to our sister, in Jesus Christ's name, may she be healed. In Jesus Christ's name, may our sister be healed. In Jesus Christ's name, may our brother be healed. In the name of Jesus Christ, may the baby be healed. Bless our sister and heal her, in Jesus' name. Bless our dear sister and heal her with hands laid up on her in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, think, friends, if God speaks anything, he tells the truth. These signs shall follow them that believe. Be in prayer now, Shabbat. Heavenly Father, in Jesus Christ's name, may our brother be healed. Father God, in the name of Jesus Christ, may our sisters be healed. 
That's so much easier than the other way for me. That's the way you decide. That's sure my way too. But now look, what have we done? We've laid hands on the sick and prayed for them. Is that right? How many believe God went through the prayer lines or healed? Let's see your hands. Everyone went through the prayer line. Praise the Lord. You know, that may be the right way. All right. Is there any persons in here now that's sick that hasn't been in the prayer line? Let's see your hands. All right. It's like to be about hundred or more. All right, now just keep your hands up. I'm going to raise my hands up. What are we doing? We're trying to touch somebody. Who is it? The one who stands ominous presence. Who knows us? If you're reaching your hands, I'm reaching my hands. And we're all reaching our hands. Oh, God, be merciful. One day when Moses' hands was lifted up, the battle went favorable. And oh, God, today we are lifting our hands, believing that our faith is lifted up to Jesus Christ, who was lifted up for us. And we believe your healing power. Oh, God, let it rain from the skies like a shower upon every individual here and heal them. Grant it, Lord. Make some healing power call in this building just now. Everyone that believes that you're healed, clap your hands together. <laughs> Hallelujah! Then it's over. Then we're healed. Then Christ is here. Then God is here. Then the angels are here. Then God gets glory out of all. Praise be to the Lord God. All right. Brother Moore. While we bow our heads, just a moment. I'll ask Brother Moore to come and take the service today. Do you want to pray for us, God, pray that you will bless this man and heal him. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. God bless you. Now we'll bow our heads, just a moment. Brother Moore. Thank you.